the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. It is hump day as we head into Memorial Day weekend. Always honored to have this time with you guys here, trying to get things uh, situated. I mean, if you're watching via Facebook Live right now on The Answer San Diego, which we are back at tonight, you'll see that we've just got uh, the, the station, the studio here is just covered with articles because we've got so much information to share with you guys Actual facts that have to do with gun shootings in this country. A whole lot of fat, a whole lot of politicizing, a whole lot of politics surrounding the shooting in Texas, and very little facts when it comes to guns, and, and uh, as well as facts that have to do with the shooter himself. And we're going to get into all of that tonight, and hopefully you will join us in the discussion. 888 1170. And the politics of this is very deep and it's not lost on me and shouldn't be lost on any of you out there that uh, the politicizing right now that what's going on is timed and or having to do with the timing of the primaries and we will be discussing that as well we've got brian maloney from red wave america is going to be here to weigh in on the republican party's response to the push for gun control as well as what's going on with the primaries Later on in the show, we're going to be sharing with you uh, Gavin Newsom's here in California, his push for gun control. So much to get into. 888-344-1170. My question for you guys tonight is, as we get into all the details of this and the ins and outs and everything that's happening, I'm curious from you guys if any of you out there have been victimized or had family or loved ones been victimized in some way um, in an attack involving a gun. And did it affect you in terms of your thoughts and your opinions on policy? Were you, for example, were you Second Amendment, hardcore Second Amendment? Then you had a family member held up. You had a family member shot. uh, Any kind of uh, violence involving a firearm? And did it change your position or not? 888-344-1170. I actually have a few instances I can share with you guys. And I know that my man does here as well. And, of course, I'm talking about the one and only. It's DJ Potato Skins. Yeah, I'm not going to share the personal incident, but it did happen to me a long time ago, Andrea. And you know what? All it made me do is think, you know what? If there's law-abiding citizens that are there protecting themselves and people that are able to carry, I feel safer. Yeah. I mean, what stops a good guy with a gun, a bad guy with a gun, a, a good guy or a good woman with a gun, right? I mean, what is what is typically in common with the mass shooting situations, particularly with schools? They're proudly labeled as gun-free zones, Right. In Israel, the school teachers over there are armed and they're trained. That's one aspect we want to get into tonight. I will share with you guys. I'm not going to get too much into details here 
Um, but before I get into some, I, you know, I threw it out there. So I'll share with you my stories. When I was in high school, uh, the manager of the drugstore I worked at, I was a pharmacist assistant and clerk, and the manager that I worked at, his mother was shot in the face in a Kmart parking lot in New Orleans for $10. When I was in college, my boss was shot in the head point blank range by a coworker who is on death row to this day. And neither instance changed my position on the Second Amendment. In fact, the only thing I wish is that my friends, uh, you know, my my boss's mother, that she had been armed, that she had been armed. Because in New Orleans, there was a story recently. We got a a spike in carjackings all over this country right now, smash and grabs, crime wave everywhere. And this woman, her boyfriend was carjacked and she went out and bought herself a gun. And then she's sitting stuck on the freeway in bumper-to-bumper traffic on the freeway, and somebody tries to carjack her, and she says the only thing that saved her life and that of her children was that she had a gun. Now, my boss that was shot point-blank, you know, he actually was armed, but my coworker came up from behind him and got him that way. Um, I, it, but my position has never changed. And one of the reasons why my position hasn't changed is as it relates, and I've talked about this many times, when it comes to these schools, I, there is no such thing as gun violence. Okay, if somebody stabs somebody to death, which happens all the time. I mean, in fact, I just watched a series uh, based on the true crime out of Texas. The series is called Candy. Uh, She killed somebody with an axe 41 times. We don't we we don't say that there's, you know, axe violence. What are we going to So why isn't there axe control? Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to do about this axe violence going on in this country? What are we going to do with this knife violence going on in this country? What are we going to do with with car violence when somebody uses their car as a weapon? We Seems don't to do me that. The people are the problem. Exactly, and so um, that and that gets into the shooting in particular. A couple of things that that I found interesting, and I don't, and I didn't get into it last night, but you know that it's being disgustingly politicized. When in the course of a week we've gone from the Buffalo shooting being all about white supremacy going on in this country, and that being labeled a hate crime. Because of the color of the skin of the shooter and the color of the skin of not all of the victims, but some of the victims. And now we're not hearing about any of that in Texas. Why? What was the difference between the shooter in Texas and the shooter in Buffalo? Was there less hate going on? Let me tell you, you're going you're gonna to lock a bunch of kids, second and third and fourth graders in a room. You got some hate in your heart. So how is that not a hate crime? Were they not people of color in Texas? Were they not Hispanic? Oh, I guess it's not as evil and it's not a hate crime. We're not going to talk about that because we don't want to, because why? Because the victims who are Hispanic don't matter as much as the victims of a different color in Buffalo? Or is it that the color of the shooter in Texas is of a certain color and, you know, and and we've got to be careful there in what we say? Now it's all about the guns. It's all about the guns. It's all about the guns. It's ridiculous. But, it, but I'm glad it's happening because it shows the truth about the politicizing that's going on. And let's talk a little bit about Joe Biden and the politicizing. I touched on it a little bit last night. I found it disgusting and depraved that he goes to give a speech and politicized. It was nine minutes of politics. It was nine minutes of blaming Republicans, nine minutes of blaming the NRA and the gun lobby instead of the shooter. And he talked about how assault weapons ban had done so much to help uh, bring down mass shootings. Here are some stats that I got this morning while I was waiting to do my Newsmax interview. And this comes from James Rosen. Um, The assault weapons ban 
eight, we'll, we'll call AWB, was from 1990, uh, uh, I think it was on 1994, according to this report, to 2004. And according to this report, it had a negligible impact on shootings. This comes straight from the FBI supplemental reports. They tallied monthly counts of mass shootings nationwide from 1976 to 2014, and the frequency of incidents was virtually unchanged during the decade that it was in effect. When they focused on mass shootings since 1999, public and otherwise, less than 10%, 31 out of 317 of assailants employed a firearm classified as an assault weapon. The report goes on to say before, during, and after the assault weapons ban, most public mass shootings were carried out with other types of firearms. Lies. Families are grieving. They're suffering in Texas. They've lost babies and children. They're teachers. I, I think that 40-something-year-old school teacher, just, gosh, it just breaks your heart to see that face. And they're politicizing those deaths. According to Mother Jones, assault weapons were involved in four of 18 public mass murders before the assault weapons ban. They were involved in four of 16 public massacres during the assault weapons ban, nine of 38 since the assault weapons ban. That assault weapons ban had no impact whatsoever. In fact, Columbine took place during the assault weapons ban. Getting away from public massacres, we get into some stats from 2020. In 2020, 50% of all gun-related deaths were suicide. 43% were murders, and this according to the CDC. Governor Abbott was correct today when he talked about the fact, when he called out other states, and he said, there's real gun control in New York. There's real gun control in Chicago, and you look at the number of deaths that are happening there. But in in the meantime, while he's trying to address his state, while he's trying to address the pain that's going on, we had buffoon Beto O'Rourke, who decides that he's going to hijack the press conference to get some attention for himself. Skins, you got that clip? Uh, Pass the mic to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. Get out of line. Shooting is right now, and you are doing nothing. No, you need to get this out of here. This isn't the place to talk this over. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a gum to a deal like this to make a political issue. Right. A sick son of a blank to be doing that, to make that a political issue. And the reports are that the, that man who was screaming like that was the former mayor of, of, of Uvalde, Texas. This is absolutely sick and depraved, the way the Democrats are exploiting this for power and for politics. It couldn't be more obvious. It couldn't be more disgusting. There's not one guy. What gun control law would have stopped him? Let's talk about some things that might have stopped him that the Democrats don't want you to talk about. In fact, let's hear from a father who remembers Andrew Pollack out of Parkland. You remember the politicizing that went on after after a Parkland shooting in Parkland, Florida, the Marjorie Stone Doug, uh, Stone. Stoneman Douglas, I think, was the actual name of the school. And you remember how they bust all the kids up there? And that was when uh, that that one kid, I can't remember his name now, David Hogg, became such a celebrity. And, you know, they had all these roundtables about gun control. They used those kids. And Hogg wasn't even at the school that day, but they just completely politicized that 
for uh, to push gun control when the reality uh, was is that the shooter there was known, right? They knew him. The FBI had visited him 23 times. They did absolutely nothing about it, nor did they. They had a resource officer in Parkland who hid, right? Well, the father, Andrew Pollock, the one of the fathers who didn't jump on board with this gun control in spite of the fact that he lost his beautiful daughter, Meadow, he didn't jump on board with the gun control agenda. And so he was shunned by the left. That's how much they actually care about these dead children, right? Well, here's what he had to say, because the reports came out that this guy, this 18-year-old, he was known. Everybody knew that he was that he had that he fit all the criteria, by the way. He had been bullied as a kid. He had no family. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, No, you know, uh, uh, terrible home life. Um, He hadn't been visited by the FBI, um, but he fit all the criteria. He evidently he was when it came to a resource officer, he was engaged by a resource officer who didn't pull the trigger and didn't didn't uh, get into a shootout. That was a false report. What's the point of having a resource officer if they're not going to do anything to stop somebody armed coming in? How did he get in, by the way? How did he get in? How did he get past a resource officer fully armed with multiple weapons carrying a backpack? And if you saw the picture of him, he shouldn't have been anywhere near the grounds. He was as creepy, worse, and obviously worse by his appearance than what happened in Parkland. How was he able to get in the one solo entrance and then get himself barricaded in a room with 20 children and a couple of adults? How did that happen? That's what should not have happened. And if you're going to hang Governor, Governor Abbott for anything, how about that? Andrew Pollack said, we should be looking at what we can do to fix these things in schools. A single point of entry. How did the intruder get into the school? It should be locked down. We need school resource officers, and it's just terrible to think this is all avoidable. He went on to say, to tweet out a three-point plan. Uh, What is needed is, number one, an armed guard, number two, a single point of entry, and number three, teacher training, without question. But see, the Democrats don't want to talk about this. They're happy to send $40 billion over to Ukraine to protect the perimeter of Ukraine for political purposes, but they won't do anything to protect these schools. This is an absolutely heartbreaking story. And the solution is not to destroy our constitutional rights of the law-abiding citizens in this country so that the Democrats can amass more power off the backs of dead babies. But power off the backs of dead babies is really all the Democrat Party is all about. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to bring in Brian Maloney from Red Wave America and talk about the bipartisan push that's happening right now, including the Republican Party, some of which getting on board with the red flag laws. Is this really a case of mental illness? We're going to talk about that when we come back. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Andrea K. telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Continuing our conversation about the politicizing of the horrendous tragedy in Texas. And we're in a, in a few moments, we'll be talking to Brian Maloney from Red Wave America to get his perspective on uh, how the Republican Party is handling the pressure on gun control, as well as how this fits into the primary season that we're in right now. And we're actually going to visit some of the primary re- results out of Georgia. And Brian is, of course, the perfect person. Uh, to share that information with us. But before we get to that, we're going to go to the phones because I put it out there about what y'all's guys' thoughts were on gun control and if you've been a victim of gun violence or somebody. I, I, see, I'm even I'm using that term. There's no such thing as gun violence, right? When I was in high school, 
boys rolling up with guns in their gun rack for fishing and hunting, right? Or hunting. They, I know, you know it sounds cheesy, but it is true. Guns don't kill people. Right. People kill people. Guns don't kill people. Alec Baldwin kills people. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we got a little Hollywood angle to get to, but let's go to the phones. Michael from San Diego is on the line. He wants to talk about how social media could have stopped it if it was used properly. I am aware that he made some social media posts. Uh, Michael, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Hey, you hear me? Yes. What do you, how, how do you think that uh, social media could have stopped it? Um, oh, I don't know that social media could have stopped it, but based on some statistics that I've heard on this network, mainly in the last 24 hours, um, 70, I believe it's 77% of mass shootings or Maybe maybe at school shootings, I don't know, don't quote me, but give or take, they are published or somehow um, communicated prior to via social media, 77% of them. So well, the, root of, the root of the problem perhaps could be the, 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 the solution, the place where the solution is. So my, my what I think we need to talk about more or what I would like to hear talked about more is social media platforms and Twitter being front and center over the last, you know, whatever couple months with Elon Musk taking over and the whole um, first amendment involvement with uh, rules and regulations and, and perhaps, you know, some sort of not 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 government subsidiary, but government involvement in these social media platforms. Well, got it. Okay, um, so what you're saying before I got to get to my next caller and then get to Brian Maloney, you're okay, saying that government gov- you're saying that because they're telegraphing, doing live stream of it or talking about how they're going to be shooting people, that okay. the government could maybe be solving the problem by somehow or Elon Musk controlling content on social media. Um, I'm not sure that that's really, uh, you know, I I think that he did, in the case of this shooter, I think that he did say, I'm going to go shoot my grandmother. Um, in a free society, people can say things like that. And, and until somebody, um, it, it's hard to get a restraining order. It's hard to, these days, if you've got a boyfriend who threatens you, right? Um, so... In a free society where we have free speech, just because somebody says they're going to do something doesn't mean they're going to. And I don't think that controlling speech is the way to go. I think if we're going to have a conversation about social media and its usage related to this, I think we have to have a conversation about culture and how people are, you know, I'm not going to say this guy's name because in part they're looking for uh, notoriety. That has always been the case with many of these mass shooters and these and serial killers. They like the notoriety of it, and they did that even before social media. Michael, thank you for calling in. Got to leave it there. Got to get to my next caller, Joe from Las Vegas. Hey, Joe. Hey. I, I'm really blown away tonight, and, you know, they keep talking. That bonehead O'Rourke got up there today and Ugh. Front of the press conference and made it himself, and and then the president last night. I, I threw up in my mouth listening to him, but yet two hundred people have been shot and killed in Chicago. They have mm-hmm. the strongest gun laws in the country. Yeah, I don't see him rushing up there to talk about the guns up there because guns don't kill people. The person operating the gun is the one that kills them. There's not a problem with the guns here. It's a problem with the people. 
we have a problem in our brains or not ours in general, but, you know, people. And, and you know, these kids are doing this stuff. I mean, they've been locked down. I heard a thing today about this kid being locked up or uh, being bullied so much in school. And, and he rolled up to a park. Somebody said he rolled up to a park with cuts all over his face. He said, yeah, he cut himself with a knife on the face just uh, for kicks. Well, yeah. And I'm thinking to uh, myself, what, was that not a sign that there was a problem with this child? Well, we have a we have a cultural problem that's going on in this country and a lot of it. And, and, and it's led to the rise of these school shootings and what's going on. And part of it is that we don't have good family units anymore in this country. And if you saw the interview of this guy's this 18 year old's grandfather today, you know, it's like he was being asked his grandkid not only uh, k- killed, slaughtered, you know, 20 people, including a bunch of children. His grandkid also died in that. And the guy acted like he was being asked about how he felt about his pizza not being delivered on time. Man had absolutely no soul or no conscience. So there was a problem clearly going on with that family. But what I'm concerned about is this thing about mental illness, mental illness, mental illness. There's a difference. Not everybody who commits an act of crime is doing it from a place of mental illness. They know right from wrong. This guy knew right from wrong. And I don't like the trend that we're on to characterize every time somebody now does a bad act or pulls the trigger, trigger and kills one or more people that it's mental illness. And the reason why I don't like that is because it's another excuse for gun control and gun grabs. And it doesn't it doesn't address the real problem because there's a difference between people commit acts of crime all day long. They have no soul, no conscience. They don't care about other people. And you could say, well, that makes anybody who doesn't care about other people mentally ill. No, it's not the same thing. He knew right from wrong. And that and so I don't like us characterizing this as mentally ill. Um, Got to leave it there. I I, I understand it. I understand what you're saying, and I believe you wholehearted. But this is what happens when you take God out of everything. That's more. Yes. Everything. And this is what happens. Thank you. Your time tonight. God bless you. Have a safe weekend. And uh, I'm going to San Diego this weekend. I'll be thinking of you on the beach. Thank you again. Well, please do enjoy yourself for me because, you know, I love the beach, Joe. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's cultural. Some people could say, well, what's the difference between somebody who has no soul, no conscience, or, or is so tortured or so full of self-hate that they go and do, do something? That, it, it, when it comes to the law, you, if you know right from wrong, it's not done under the guise of mental illness, right? Um, before I take a break, my guy's been holding a long time. My man, my boy, Brian Maloney, not my boy, <laughs> He's, he's almost as old as I am. He's my buddy, my goomba. He's my 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 booby. Comfort food. Oh, he's my comfort. Older, <laughs> I must be older than you. I must be. I don't know your age, but there's no way you're older than me. There's no way. 25, Brian. So your thoughts on, you've just heard the two callers. One blame talking about social media. You know what the left is doing. You know, in, in, b- before we take a break, in a minute or two, give us your thoughts on what's going on with the politicizing of the shooting and what's going on here. Well, I think, you know, for back to the conversation you were just having there with the caller, Joe, uh, you know, th- what's happened is we have the left culturally succeeded in removing the concept of good and evil from our society. So now it's mentally ill or not mentally ill. So people can't be just there is evil in this world, in this universe. And they've stripped that from us. And it's not natural that, you know, evil exists. And, uh, you know. 
the bottom line is I can't psychoanalyze this kid. What bothers me the most uh, is that, you know, here we are, it's one day after, and the narrative keeps changing. The story and the details keep changing of what happened and who went into the school and what, when, why, how. Um, and yet no one in, in the Democrat Party or in the media wasted any time summarizing what you know, they determined happened. So no need for an investigation or, I mean, you know, the details that are coming out, I've, I've heard the story change now about three times mm-hmm. about who, you know, first it was an elite border patrol agent who went in by himself and yeah. got the, and got the kid. Okay. Then they were saying, well, no, actually there were a bunch of cops in there and the shooter was in there for an hour and the cops were focused on getting their own children out of the school uh, you know, th- then there was that. Um, and then there was a third scenario. I'm trying to remember what that one was, too. Uh, so they keep they keep changing it. And I don't know who or what to believe anymore. But I mean, I had an evening here where I'm just like, I don't know if I can be on social media today because I've got all kinds of people on there pointing blame, playing the blame game. You got Beto O'Rourke and the Democrats, Barack Obama on Twitter doing the same thing, tying it into George Floyd uh, and trying to fundraise off of it, trying to raise money. What? How in the world, before we take a break, Brian Malone, what in the world does this have to do with George Floyd and the second anniversary of his death today? Uh, Absolutely nothing except Democrats need money for November. And what's really, I think, the most infuriating about all of this is, you know, sure enough, there's an election coming up in November and Mm -hmm. all the ingredients are appearing that the Democrats need to get everybody rioting this summer. You've got every, all the, and you know, we predicted this. I mean, every, we've been predicting this, you know, whenever there's an election year, suddenly you have BLM, suddenly you have riots, suddenly you have school shootings. Mm -hmm. I don't know why all that stuff happens in election year. I'm not saying anybody, you know, plan that on behalf of the party, not not being that conspiratorial. But what I'm saying is, and then you have the Supreme Court on abortion coming down. And we got the monkeypox. Don't forget the monkeypox, man. Monkeypox. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this whole idea that Republicans are just going to waltz into massive victories in yes. November. Now, I really want to talk to you about that. Yeah. Because it's got... I've been taking some people... Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang yeah. on. That's the perfect yeah. time to take a break. Because when we come back, Brian Maloney, we're going to talk about this because I opened the show tonight by saying, what does this have? The timing is just a little too, too. It's the perfect timing for them. And I'm not saying that that that, that was a part of the, what caused this to happen. But clearly, this is an opportunity for them to politicize. It's right in the middle of primary season. So Brian Maloney from Red Wave America is going to be here to connect the dots between this and what's going on with the primaries. And also, what really went down in Georgia? The devil went down to Georgia. And was it Kemp, Trump, or was it Purdue? We're going to talk about it when we come back. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. Andrea K., bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K. Show on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show, 888-344-1170. Have you guys been a victim or had somebody in your family be a victim of a crime involving a gun? Did it change your perspective on gun control. Are you now thinking, yeah, we got to, I'm on board. I'm, I'm willing to compromise and give up some of my Second Amendment rights. The Republican Party is uh, already in discussions. Uh, people like um, Susan Collins, usual suspect. Susan Collins from Maine. Surprise Rick Scott from Florida, though, saying he's okay with supporting a red flag law at a federal level. Uh, Senator Mike Rounds from South Dakota says he's also having bipartisan discussions. The Republican Party 
is already selling out your constitutionally protected right to bear arms. Of course, Biden said today that, uh, you know, your Second Amendment rights are not absolute. It is primary season and the Democrats will do everything they can to secure their power going into November. And here to discuss is my buddy Brian Maloney from Red Wave America. Okay, my dear, talk to us about this and the primaries. And also, I want you to help us understand what went down in Georgia. Well, so I think the the main point I want to make here is that I'm seeing people on social media looking at these primary results in Georgia or whatever and saying, oh, you know, I got into an argument the other day with somebody on Twitter, you know, oh, yeah, you know, look how great Herschel Walker did in Georgia. You know, he's a shoe-in in November. And I, and I went back and I said, you know what? He's not a shoe-in in November. Do you have any idea what the Democrats are going to throw at us between now and November? I mean, we haven't fixed the election mess in very many states, especially not in Georgia, definitely not in Pennsylvania, uh, definitely not in the places that count. I mean, you know, maybe maybe it'll be slightly better, but there's no sign of that. I mean, Pennsylvania, we don't even know who won the GOP primary no. <laughs> for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. We don't know. It's there's been weeks. A thousand votes between the two right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's and been we weeks. don't know. There are thousands more to be counted. So we don't even know. And you I know, find it well. Think, I yeah. want to. I want to talk a little bit about Georgia, though, because yeah. um, you know when it comes to this Kemp versus uh, Purdue thing. Uh, look, uh, you know, um, Trump's endorsements are still incredibly powerful. That Georgia governor thing was kind of an odd situation compared to other races around the country. That's how I see it, and I almost see it as though. In some ways, you could look at it as though it's an indictment of the Georgia voters that Kemp, after everything that he did, got the primary, won the primary against Purdue. But then you look at the, as well as the fact that it's an indictment of Georgia voters that Stacey Abrams won the primary on the Democrat side. Um, but then it's like Purdue was such a crappy candidate that it's He's just a terrible candidate. Terrible. Remember, the Trump people pushed out. Remember, Vernon Jones was running. Yes. Vernon Jones, who. In my view, is an excellent candidate. He's now running for Congress. Yeah. So, so the Trump people pushed out Vernon Jones, said, you can't win, and we're going to put in David Perdue. Well, remember, I was around, I was in Georgia yes. when Perdue, they were having those runoffs that Warnock ended up winning. I, I think that election was stolen, too, but that was January of 2021. But I, you know, I went to a Trump rally, uh, and it, the one in Valdosta, Georgia, and the, and, and, you know, Trump introduced Purdue there. And, you know, the crowd, I mean, they were just, you could hear crickets. They, they didn't find Purdue yeah. interesting at all, nor did they find Kelly Lessler interesting. That's why, you know, both of them, um, so many things that went wrong there. But what I'm saying is the Trump endorsements have been off track. I mean, endorsing Dr. Oz was insane. Purdue, this is a two-time loser now. I mean, somebody, you know, close to Trump's got to tell him you've got to, you know, improve your game here on these endorsements. But I don't think that there's anybody in his inner circle that can say, hey, these aren't going to be received very well. It's well, he's continuing to find it reminds me of when out here in California, we had a chance of winning the governorship and he had let the establishment talk him into uh, endorsing John Cox Instead right. of Travis, um, you know, what yeah. was Travis's last name? Travis Allen. Travis Allen. Travis and John Allen, Cox yeah. didn't even bother to campaign. 
And, you know, no. he, he listens to the establishment and still does at times. And I love Trump, but he still has the he, he still listens too much to the establishment that likes to think that they can predict that they like to push these squishy rhinos under the phony guise of well, he's winnable. He's winnable. Like Romney yeah. was supposed to be winnable in 2012. No, what's winnable is somebody who actually campaigns like a conservative. Right. Without yet. Yeah. And talk about America first strategies and policies that actually work for Americans. Don't tell me that a true MAGA candidate could not have won over Kemp in the primary when Marjorie Taylor Greene, who they tried to keep off a ballot and because right. she, she is so hardcore conservative and MAGA, won her primary in a landslide. So without, that, any, without any trouble. Vernon yeah. Jones would have done better yes. than David Perdue. So and I and I hope that Vernon Jones ends up in Congress. The guy is great. You know, some people say, yeah, but he, you know, he was a Democrat not that many years ago or whatever. But he's more conservative than uh, than just about anyone running for anything in Georgia. So, but yeah, this you know, this John Cox kind of stuff. These people are placeholders. They are on the ballot to make sure that Republicans don't win, so that Democrats don't face a real threat. That and that's why you see the guy not campaign. Right. You know, he's not there to win. He has no intention of winning. No, no, right. It's rigged. And that's it's why rigged. you right. And that's why it would. And, and I've been saying for a while they're they're rigging things and that the Republicans are behind the behind the scenes, coughing up, giving up, you know, elections, just doing phony stuff that, you know, um, they don't want to win because then right. they have to be in power. Right. And then they have to take the blame. Right. Uh, and, you or, know, and then or, they have to. Yeah. And yeah. like or like Kemp, you know, um, the the truth about who he was was revealed. Look, look at who we have. The two people, Kemp and, and Abrams, who cooked up the the steel in Georgia, are now running for governor. You know, it's like freaking frack. Right. But and they're, they're not that different. I mean, no. that's what's incredible. But I right. mean, now now that said. I mean, I, you know, as much as I dislike Kemp, remember, you know, I was one of a, two people organizing protests in front of the governor's mansion last year. We were screaming out there, you know, and so I don't want anybody to think I support this guy for a moment. But the problem is you cannot let Stacey Abrams win. No. You cannot. <laughs> no. You cannot. I mean, that is a nightmare of, the, you know, the national media has been trying to install her as yes. our queen of the country. Uh, they've tried to turn her into royalty. Well, yeah, they and even put her in some. No, they even put her in some Star Wars movie or something. They put, they put her in a Star Trek episode okay. as the leader of Earth. <laughs> leader of Earth. <laughs> all right, quickly, that's but not really happened. Right. That's yeah. all, one of those. All these new woke Star Trek. They've got like three or four of these different Star Treks now on these streaming services, which I refuse to pay for. Yeah, and on one of them, they put Stacey Abrams in there as the leader <laughs> of Earth. Yeah, that's about as good casting as is keeping Amber Heard in as as Mira in Aquaman. And I didn't see either one of them. All right, quickly before I let you go, the other big news that came out of yesterday was that the Bush dynasty dynasty is officially gonzo bye-bye hasta la vista baby george p bush he didn't just get trounced i mean it was just across the state every county coughed him up like a cat coughing up a fur ball i think te- when texans are done with the bush family i think we can say that they're officially done well and i don't understand why george p bush was running against ken paxton anyway who is one of the few actual conservatives in a position of power in, well, the, that's in why. the texas gop well that's why Maybe that's why, because he's an actual conservative and the Bush family are a bunch of Well, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a real choice there. And people said, well, we already have an excellent attorney general 
you know, unlike, you know, Governor Abbott, who is weak and, you know, the Texas, it's weird. I mean, the Republican leaders in Texas are surprisingly kind of spineless and squishy yeah. for, for what you, they're not like the Florida Republicans that seem to be just on fire. Um, you know, so we have states that are leading the way and states that are not. And Texas is not really leading the way it ought no. to, no. which is probably why Beto felt comfortable, you know, jumping in front of that event today and screaming and pulling his little fundraising stunt, which is what that was. That was a fundraising stunt. Yeah. Uh, and he wasn't afraid, you know, and that and that's what's going on. Well, one one of the things that I've um, that I just lost my train of thought. Oh, that tech, uh, you know, I tell everybody, you know, there's there's one national host that er, every show it's you got to leave the blue states and move to red states other than Florida, which still has pockets of tyranny. There's no such thing as an actual red state. And you can see no, that there, in, really there is, there is not. You That's look at, yeah, you look at like South Carolina, it's full of rhino Republicans. I mean, you start looking at these states and there aren't a lot, you know. Maybe there are a couple in the Midwest or the, I, I don't know, not that many places that you can go to where the GOP has solid conservatives in charge. The rhinos rule the roost. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And and as we're looking at this, these primaries, um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not looking at a whole lot of the... Uh, uh, I don't think that we've got a whole lot of true MAGA candidates out there. I think we've got we we've got more, but um, than than we had in previous years. But you know, we, even the Freedom Caucus. I mean, I think if we look at the Republican Party, Tucker and I, you know, I don't like to promote Tucker on the show, but he did a piece the other night saying, "What has the Republican Party done for you?" Really, not much. Nothing. They're not doing anything. They're not doing anything, and that's the problem. And by, by the way, I really want Herschel Walker to win in Georgia. I think you'd be an excellent senator. I'm just saying that the Democrats are going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, into that race to keep Warnock in the U.S. Senate. Everything. Right, right. The Republicans have no idea how ugly this is going to get. That's what I'm out there screaming about. You, you, if you think Herschel Walker is going to waltz into the U.S. Senate, you're out of your mind. The amount of money that will pour into Georgia yes. will be unlike anything you've ever seen. Right. And and we cannot trust that Kemp is going to do what he needs to do to ensure election integrity, no. including Raffensperger, because all the same people. And, yeah, they've yeah. got all these new election integrity laws that did what? Right. They actually yeah. expanded early voting. Right. I mean, what did they actually right. do to protect our elections down there? Nada. OK, so this county is still rigged and they'll exactly whatever votes they need. Right. So, right. you know, I, we've got to be sounding the alarm right now that everybody needs to be waking up. You need to get active. You need to be making sure that you know who's the true conservative in the race. And that and that particularly means you also got to be paying attention to the local races, city council, school board, sheriffs and, and all yeah. of those and judges and all of those, because they have as much impact on our lives as these congressional races do. And, and a lot of what happens in these primary seasons, too, is they want to distract and get you focused on other things and not focused on what's happening even at your local level. They want to, they're, and they're Absolutely. and they're focused on centralizing as much as possible. And that's so much about what the story is today. What, one of the things the Democrats are trying to do, 
in advance of these midterms is and, and one of the reasons why we have to be, you know, not just think, oh, yeah, OK, if we take control of the House and the Senate, all is great. They're looking to push and federalize as much as possible before the Republicans do take over if they do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, we we need to be continuing to push on the, the people that we've got right now in office that they're representing us as much as possible. I actually have a great story to share with you guys, a great update on this World Health Organization story. So you guys need to stick around for that. Brian Maloney, thank you for being here, my dear friend, my booby, my goomba, my guy. Appreciate it. All right. Stay tuned. More Andrew and K Show coming up. This is the Andrew and K Show on AM 1170. The Answer, San Diego. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Great news to share with you guys. Huzzah! On a day in which we desperately need some great news. Y'all know we have been so focused on sharing with you guys what looked to be just really... um, I don't want to say the death of America. Our sovereignty was in the process of being handed over to the World Health Organization. Y'all know how much we've been focused on this. Well, here's the great news. The World Health Organization has withdrawn 12 of Biden's sovereignty amendments, and they say they may visit them later, but 12 of them are gone. The only- why do you think that is? I think the pressure was on. Uh, well, it's a variety of things. Actually, um, uh, according to independent journalist James Raguski, who monitored the hearings, 12 of the 13 amendments um, have been removed. He said that um, that in addition to the public inundating the World Health Organization, there was um, a lawsuit that was filed, legal action filed in the UK by a physician named Zach Cox. So on uh, Cox filed an appeal last Friday uh, uh, um, after his May 17th request for judicial review of the amendments was rejected. The court notified the physician that his appeal was without merit um, since the IHR's working group for pandemic response was unable to reach a consensus on the amendment. Um, But, you know, Raguski goes on to say that um, he thinks it's a combination of that. Plus, he says maybe Brazil and some African nations or other, quote, stakeholders read the amendments and realized what the blank was going on. He said uh, maybe just maybe people power reared its powerful head, shined a very powerful light on the amendments, which were expected to be considered in darkness. So I think it's I think it's a combination of all of it, because all of it brought a spot, put a spotlight on what was going on. However, there is one of the amendments that remained. And what it does is it reduces the amount of time to reject amendments from 18 to 16 months. So um, that means that uh, I think it's strategic. I would expect, in other words, they got the time frame reduced. Now they're going to come back later under cover of darkness. We're not expecting it. Maybe if we take our foot off the gas, thinking it's all it's an official. People need to keep paying attention we got to keep paying attention keep the spotlight on it so that they can't slip it under the door and then within six months it's a done deal and i mean the andrea acacia will be looking at this on the daily everybody needs to continue to focus on it because that's typically the play spotlight attention is brought to it they back off and then you think it's a done deal and you've won and then you turn around later and it's back and then it's that it's a done deal but we're going to consider this a win for right now this is a major take it where we can get it we're going to take it where we can get it and uh we're going to take a little tiny break and we got uh, more of the andrea k show coming up so stay tuned 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.